took me till I was like 40 uh, before I was ready for this. And there was like something inside of me that was like, enough of this. The mind as we kind of evolve is like taking in and digesting experience until we get to some experiences where we make up a story that this is too intense. I, this, whatever this feelings that are happening on, I can't handle it. What happens is then they stop digesting that experience and they disassociate. People create these things that I like to call egoic defense mechanisms. mechanisms. Thank you. It's kind of like a mechanism that like protects this like sense of self that you know it's some information you can't handle. And so what happens is then you start running this egoic defense mechanism over and over as a way of being and you're no longer your pure soul anymore. You're using a lot of energy to manage these suppressed emotions. When you actually liberate that energy, then you're no longer running these programs. And the only way is to really transcend those things is to actually feel those emotions. Then you have more bandwidth, you have more energy to be radically present. Fuel your dreams, ignite your inspiration. Join us and feel at home here at Fearless Inspiration. Those levels of presence that true presence clicks us into pulls up so much more data in the body. When you're always in your body, it's giving you very live feedback on how it feels about everything that's happening. And so a lot of people that don't really have a connection to what inspires them yet, it's they don't have enough live feedback going on to really get the heck yeses from life. So that's really why it's one of the fundamentals to calling in this ability to determine, you know, what we could just say yes to and what really lights us up. When we go back and look into those wounds, those are actually the birth point of our gifts. For example, if one of my childhood wounds made me unbearably shy, if I overcome that, I have a huge potential as a speaker, right? Because I know how it feels to be on the other end. I can teach people how to overcome those same shynesses and limitations within them. What is the world giving you a special availability to be good at? And today's guests, Jonathan Mozenta and Rachel Fusting who are inspiring change agents, helping people be one with their soul by managing mind and energy, and relationship alchemists, helping people call in deeper love for themselves, their connections, and the world. Hi guys, uh, where are you calling from? We're in Colorado, in the, the Boulder area, Longmont, Colorado. Brilliant. The Rocky Mountains. Yeah. Beautiful place. Now, can you tell me something, each one going turn, that you're both good at, and that just drips out of you, a passion? Yeah, actually, one of my biggest passions is solving complicated problems that bring happiness to other people and myself. But I've long liked to solve problems, and I've always been happy, like a math guy. And then my parents were like social workers, and I got into like psychology. And I've always just had this passion of how can I help myself and my fellow brothers and sisters, yeah, make the most of their life. Beautiful. And how about you, Rachel? I'm really passionate about self-work and self-discovery and have experimented with dozens of different modalities that accomplish that. So really expanding the language of how we talk about the human and giving myself an ability to plug into a bunch of different kinds of cultures, language around how to speak to self-construct and self-image and yeah. Wow, interesting stuff. So I've got a bit more on you guys in a moment but to get straight to the inspiration 
again, each of you, who is your biggest inspiration and why? There's a lot of inspirations, but I tend to be drawn to people who are like really into bringing change to the world and bringing the most of their gifts. Right now, I'll pick my teacher. One, I have a lot of mentors, and I could have picked a lot of them. One of them is Donnie Epstein, and he's like super gung ho about what he's bringing into the world, and he's like all in, and he's inspiring other souls about how to raise their energy. And he's been doing it for his whole life, and uh, he's a man of action and uh, integrity, and he's bringing higher energy to the planet. And I think more people should know about his work. He's really doing a lot of epic stuff. Brilliant, thanks. Can you tell us a bit more about his work? Sure, sure. So Donnie Epstein started as a chiropractor, and he discovered a new kind of chiropractic where you're not physically adjusting the bones. He's actually noticed, like, he started working with a nervous system in the spine. So he actually works with it, and he found a new way to interact with it with slow, with, like, soft touches. And he started connecting with, like, transpersonal. So he started realizing there are, like, different um, areas of growth people are going through or people using different types of intelligences, which I can talk about more later. And he started combining the transpersonal and the physical. And then he started to realize that he can take this technology and give it to people who are not chiropractors to really energize their life and connect more with higher energies. And that's one of the things that Rachel and I is really passionate about is how to bring, to take, some people think transpersonal or connecting to higher sources is kind of wooey, but we actually see it as very rational and very, we have very practical steps to help people kind of access that. And Donnie Epstein is one of many of the people we leverage to help people access their own higher self. Everyone, our goal is to help everyone be their own kind of connect to their own higher energy so they can be their own kind of guru and master and guide themselves. That's our passion. One of them. Yes, that's a, a great path. And how about you, Rachel? I have yeah a lot of people that inspire me, but in broader categories, I'm really inspired by psychics and readers who are just really willing to lean fully into their clarity of knowing in ways that aren't validated by mainstream society. Just like be with the truth within them often enough to build that self-trust and that reliable connection. I think that's super admirable and like takes so much self-belief. And I'm also a really big fan and get really inspired by people that write Oracle decks because they're just bringing so much wisdom to the world and encoding dozens of cards worth of it. And then releasing multiple decks a decade. It's like just those people are just bringing in so much wisdom. <laughs> so yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful inspiration. So a little bit on each of you, Jonathan, I know that you started out studying psychology and then you went on to organizational behavior and change management and you were worked or are still working professionally helping uh, organizations with that but then you've added a more esoteric element as you've alluded to there where you're helping people really change and transform their lives and Rachel you were working on web content at Hewlett Packard and then you've now moved towards more Flow art, which I had to Google because I didn't know <laughs> what that was, I'm afraid. So you can tell us a little bit about that. And then, you know, you're basically helping people ground physically and, and integrate some of their past traumas. And you had a great stint at the Cincinnati Circus where you kind of got to test some of your newer techniques. So, yeah, they're quite interesting stories. Can you each tell us what's inspired you along any of those paths? So, some of what you were describing is like, I 
I knew when I went to college that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't know what the calling was yet. And I was still holding really open relationship with what might inspire me. It took me a while to find that spark of passion. And I found that with divination truly, but also with flow arts. And that's why I kind of identify as like the space-time priestess, right? Because the element of space is knowing exactly where you are in your physical body. And so that's very fueled by flow arts because you're dancing with a prop. So you have both your own body and what is without you. And so you're really gauging exactly where in space you are and coming really here. And then the divination, you know, it takes a temperature of the past and the potential futures, and it kind of brings you into the present of the now through a sort of synchronicity or inspired event that brings greater clarity of where your choice point is in co-creating with reality. And so that brings you into the now. And so when we get into the here and now, we're present. And so those were the two things that really sparked my inner flame alive when I had come from a past of being more disassociated, you know, like reading books instead of like participating in reality, you know, and really grounded me into like participating in life more fully and with more joy. Wow. So that's great that it worked because, you know, I think I'm probably more near the beginning of the journey of trying to get a bit more into my body and out of my head. Yeah. It sounds like a good technique I need to try out. Cool. Yeah, so talk a bit about, about inspiration and career because it seems to be around like the question I was asking. I thought of two kind of particular times. So one is I was working in psychology. I was working in a group home with emotionally disturbed kids and I was successful at that job, but I was working with a population that was pretty wounded, you know, and these were kids that uh, had such a troubled life that they couldn't even be with their family. And I started to look at the systems and how much impact that was having. So I was like, sure, I'm good at this job, but these kids are so kind of damaged like how much impact am I really having on the world? And I had always, uh, I was also looking at the mental health system and how that was influencing things. And that got me interested in something I didn't even know that existed, this idea of organizational psychology, organizational development, some called change management, but it's about how can you look at the systems? It could be, it includes both like structure or the systems of, of like an organization, but also looks at like the structures within people and sort of got me thinking something called systems thinking and how to think more systematic. And I started interviewing people in that, that domain. And I was really inspired by the work that they were doing and that how they were working with leaders. And it could be applied to any kind of, sometimes people associate that with just corporations, but really I learned it's a body of knowledge that's just helping people work together more in alignment. So everyone's needs are getting met. It's a whole set of skills. And so I got so inspired by that, I ended up just diving in, deciding this is what I want to do. And I put like all my energy and most of my mid-20s were spent. I got like an MBA focused on organizational development. And I started a community for people interested in organizational development. And we got together and taught each other because it's part of organizational development training. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was I kind of got to a point later in my life, maybe 15 years later, where I felt like, like Rachel, I felt like I needed to be, I was meant to be an entrepreneur but I was really stuck and I couldn't make that part of my life kind of happen. And I decided to just kind of like put all my cards into like figuring out why I was stuck. And I got into um, meditation, a Tibetan meditation called Ma Mudra. So it's a Zochken. It's part of uh, the Vajrayana tradition. And there's a guy named Dan Brown. And I could have, he's someone else who also inspires me and he brings together this Tibetan stuff and psychology and 
hypnosis and like a whole bunch of different techniques. And basically what it showed me was like, how do you actually master the traps of the mind? This is way beyond anything I learned in psychology, organizational development. This is hardcore Buddha training. Like what does it actually mean to be a Buddha? A lot of people here, like hear the Buddha icon, but I don't think that many people actually know like literally on a blow by blow, what it actually means and what it actually looks like. But this class, this class I took with him actually showed you the whole process. And I got super inspired. I was like, whoa, you know, imagine if everybody had this information, we could really have a better world uh, where everyone's being the best self. So that was another thing that really inspired me. Wow. Wow. That's quite a journey. Now, a foundation I think you've both alluded to is this being present, which I've definitely read myself about and I've mixed success with. But could you explain why you believe that's such a foundational thing? Yeah, just from my own experience, when I was becoming more present, you know, I knew what sight did, what hearing did, uh, what smell did. But when I became present and I actually dropped into the body sensation and was with that data directly instead of from outside of my body, you know, like in the larger auric field, I realized that my vision is in a sense, my attention and my body communicating its desires with me. And I hadn't ever really related to vision on that directive of feedback level. And what I'm hearing, there's a reason my selective hearing might choose to prioritize a certain fragment of conversation in the distance, you know? And so those levels of presence that true presence clicks us into pulls up so much more data in the body. And we can be in the observer's mind without being that directly connected into the body. And the observer's mind is very valuable, but there's a level of like lived kinesthetic data that comes through that like almost makes people appear psychic because there's a part of them that's bodily that knows things. And that felt sense that can be reliable when you're fully connected to your body. Like when you're, when you're disconnected from your body and you're not fully present yet, the felt sense can feel like it's like kind of like sucking you in or down. But when you're always in your body, it's giving you very live feedback on how it feels about everything that's happening. And so a lot of people that don't really have a connection to what inspires them yet, it's they don't have enough live feedback going on to really get the heck yeses from life. Like their sensory input is muted by that disconnection from that lack of presence. So that's really why it's one of the fundamentals to calling in this ability to determine, you know, what we could just say yes to and what really lights us up. Yes. Wow. So that does that really inspire getting a bit more present? You know, you've just given massive motivation for that. So I'm going to take this opportunity because I listened to one of your other interviews and I learned so much in the first 25 minutes. I've made loads of notes and tried to summarize them. And I'd, I'd like to just read a little bit of that out and then get you to comment on that to, to save, you know, a bit of time on all the things that I learned. So I'm guessing this is principally for people who are similar to me and, you know, are a bit maybe entrenched in some heavy patterns, you know, of emotions and a bit of stuck habits. So the first thing, yeah, I've, I've numbered these. So the first thing, you know, there's got to be a bit of a sense that you might been aware that you might be entrenched in some habits that aren't best for your life. I think that's got to be the number one starting point. And, you know, if you're not in that space, that's fine. So it's not for everybody. Number two, then be open that there might be a possible reason for being in that state. And they, that may be 
trapped emotions and patterns from the past or other reasons that maybe been a, a suck of energy to you to be repressed. You're maybe trying to avoid things and basically ends up being a lack of mental space and heavy identification with thoughts and emotions. So there's many modalities that can help with that, but there seems to be a general agreement on a, a few main principles that you alluded to on your previous interview that I listened to is having this emotional availability or emotional intelligence, which is kind of turning towards and feeling the emotions that might be trapped and getting a bit more space and perspective around them can really help potentially release a bit more present moment awareness and getting into your body. Have I summarized <laughs> what I learned up to now so far? Okay. Mm. Can I um, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to talk about why that dynamic happens. There's a Basically, the mind, as we kind of evolve, is like taking in and digesting experience until we get to some experiences where we make up a story that this is too intense. I, this, whatever this feelings that are happening on, I can't handle it. This, the mind makes up a story that I can't handle it. And what happens is then they stop digesting that experience and they disassociate and they make up a new way of coping because that the old way of straight digestion is not working. Now, a Buddha, what makes someone a Buddha is that they're always digesting their experience in every moment and some other qualities, but that's one of the important parts. And so what happens is they people create these things that I like to call egoic defense mechanisms. mechanisms. Thank you. It's kind of like a mechanism that like protects this like sense of self that, you know, some information you can't handle. And so what happens is then you start running this egoic defense mechanism over and over as a way of being and you're no longer your pure soul anymore. And that's kind of these habits. Everybody has these unless they've really done a lot of work and become a full Buddha. And that's a really deep process. And so the process is of transcending that is to when, when we make these, basically we're in a helpless kind of like we're in these kind of traumatic places, we feel helpless and we make up stories about ourselves and reality that are negative. And the only way is to really transcend those things is to actually feel those emotions. And in order to feel those emotions, sometimes you have to do get in different states. You have to start to convince. You can use things like meditation or alter states or breath words and a lot of other techniques, but basically to start to feel those emotions that you weren't able to feel, but also you want to change the story. So you need to identify the decrees that you made, the negative decrees, and kind of reprogram your mind. And this energy also traps itself on multiple layers. So we just talked about like the mental layer, but it's also trapped in our physical bodies and in different layers of subtle things. So there's different, that's why Rachel and I are so interested in multiple modalities is to really liberate yourself from all that trapped energy. You really have to deal with the different layers of subtle and physical and mental and emotional. And there are different techniques that get at each of them. And mm-hmm. so what we're passionate about is kind of how can we look at the different techniques and kind of make it simpler and, and faster. So one of the things that both of us are joining forces on yeah. using our business. Go ahead, Rachel. And that's why we also like to make modality recommendations for people and really get an attunement to where is the trapped energy in their field and match them with a path that's really going to allow them to self-nourish based on our cross comparisons of all the things that we've tried and what parts of us we felt them activating or challenging. And that's a really like a quick way. Cause a lot of times, for example, people that have depression, they get into this mainstream linear path of taking medication and it kind of makes them feel better, but it also disassociates them a little bit. 
And really what's wrong is an energetic thing. And once they pull it out of their energetic body, they have more availability to breathe and their emotions stop feeling as overwhelming. And so it was treated as a mental or emotional thing, but it can be bigger than that. And that's why you get some people that have tried a bunch of different ways of healing themselves. And then, you know, one day they go to acupuncture and it all changes, you know, because they're these different modalities all target very specific maladies. And you can approach plenty of them with more than one modality, but those modalities speak to different layers of our being. I wanted to, if it's okay, I just want to answer your read about presence. So Rachel uh, was pointing out how kind of pure presence allows us to tap into our kind of the, the knowledge that we have in our bodies, our, our nervous system, uh, the subconscious is more intelligent than the consciousness. And that's, um, that's one of the main things we help people access. But additionally, I want to talk about how just being present just allows you to have more access to information. These defense mechanisms create like chatty projections and, and sometimes uh, create the mind not wanting to stay, uh, cause a lot of distraction in our mind. And so you're using a lot of energy to manage these suppressed emotions. When you actually liberate that energy and you're no longer running these programs or, you know, why you're doing it, they're lessened. So like you might do some of this work and you notice over time that these programs have are less and less and less. And then you have more bandwidth, you have more energy to be radically present. So you're taking in more information in the present moment, not only within your body, but where it's from people may have heard of the term of non-duality or the field, like this field of awareness. So we can, you can feel into other people's fields and the environment and taking that information. And there's certain pith instructions that open yourself up to connecting to everything, uh, which I learned in meditation, but we're way more powerful and capable than we think we are. And so when you do this kind of work, you liberate the energy and you have the new skills to uh, have more capacity to do some of these more, first of all, just radically be with people and yourself and your soul and just live your, your life. That's already beneficial without even talking about like more esoteric stuff, but it's really a higher business and ascension. Thanks for corroborating, you know, my initial learnings. There were two final bits of what I learned from what I listened to you say previously, a bit on meditation, a bit on this emotional availability, because I'm, the reason I'm digging down into this is because, yeah, I realize there are people out there when you meet them are more in themselves and a calm presence, certainly than I. And I've decided now I would like to do that. And I'm trying to give myself a bank of inspiration on why I should stick with what this it might be quite a, a lengthy journey of discovery and work. But in addition to what you've just said now, you also said feeling into these possibly uncomfortable emotions as they come up and trying to learn more from them you know, what's here and now, you know, what might be classed as an imperfect self, because oftentimes we want ourselves to be perfect. But doing all of that, it, it can release energy because you're using so much energy to suppress these things. So that's one benefit. So I'm just trying to give myself this bank of benefits. It can help you to have more emotional breakthroughs. I love this term you use, wisdom bombs. There's deep wisdom potentially hidden in these ancient emotions that, you know, why not look at them as teachers i mean that's a nice way to that i've not thought about looking at emotions before to try and you know turn towards them um doing this stuff opens up possibilities that you didn't even know were possible it kind of gives you a new perspective which in turn helps break the deeper habits and this uh, well-known one is yeah greatness can be on the other side of something that is currently just 
outside of your comfort zone. So, you know, it may be worth feeling these things a little bit more than what you were doing. So this, yeah, emotional availability piece, is there anything else specifically on that you'd like to add? Yeah, in alignment with what you were just saying. When we go back and look into those wounds, those are actually the birth point of our gifts. Because in that point that we touched, we touched a huge emotional availability around that kind of pain. And so when we have like the pain part of the spectrum mapped, we can experience a further part into like the pleasure side of that map, essentially. So like, for example, if one of my childhood wounds made me unbearably shy, if I overcome that, I have a huge potential as a speaker, right? Because I know how it feels to be on the other end. I can teach people how to overcome those same shynesses and limitations within them. And so part of what we love to do when we look back into these wounds is look at them as latent gifts. And, you know, what is the world giving you a special availability to be good at? And I think that's kind of the, one of the lesser known benefits of doing this kind of work is, you know, those coping skills formed certain uh, uniquenesses in who we are, and that created certain gifts. So it's really all connected. There's a lot of a lot of things that can come out of it. Yeah, I'd like to piggyback on that. Um, this gifts or superpowers. Um, so Rachel and I have been discovering is yeah. So for example, I'll just talk to personally about my own uh, kind of wound, and I had a lot of wounding around it being not safe to feel at all. So I have a lot, and I was got very disassociated, just like a series of kind of traumas for like being bullied for like not crying or a lot of other little things. But uh, the point I want to make out is that I got so at some point in my life, I literally decided like I had a moment where the bullying got too much and people's calling me a crybaby. I was like, I don't feel like really humiliated. I just met a moment where I was like, I don't ever want to have this happen again. And I, I literally changed my entire being in that moment. And I created this really defensive of like, I'm going to outthink my emotions. So I don't like emote or get humiliated. So I spent all, this time, spent all this time doing these mental gymnastics. So I didn't really feel anything that could hurt my feelings. Now, the speaking of the gift part, it made me like pretty really disassociated and more even more, like heady. And so so the gift in there was I, I actually learned there are some benefits to being really disassociated. You can be more objective. You're not getting lost in kind of like your emotional baggage. And I get like more precise and like it, just like it helped bring up ability and my analytical abilities that became like a superpower now something else that Rachel and I was also discovering is that there's actually a second wave of superpowers that come with people who do this really deep work so the first wave is actually starting to see uh, from your wounding how it gave you some sort of series of either one superpower or a series of superpowers but the, the second wave is like when you start to get to the point where I got to a point where I was like all right this disassociation thing is really affecting my life. It was like, it was really in my head and it wasn't in my heart and it wasn't in my body. And it was affecting my love life ability to have the deep, passionate love that I wanted. And I was also like trying to do like a million different things instead of like just focusing. And that's what led me to the second journey of like of mastering my mind, the Buddhist kind of meditations. And that kind of then showed me other techniques. And that led to this process of trying to let go of the part of the defense mechanism that's no longer serving. Actually, not only did I let that go, but then 
I gained all these other wisdom and knowledge on that path that I'm hit. I not only can use myself, but I'm here to share like how language affects everything and the knowledge of energy and knowledge of all these different modalities. And so that's one of the things that Rachel is really passionate about working with people who's being able to get the pureness of their first superpower, but also gain their second level of superpowers in the service of, you know, this great transformation that's going on today. And uh, yeah, that's what's really, you know, is deeper. That's great explanation and it feels great to be part of that. The last bit I didn't want to miss giving to listeners is kind of on, on an approach to meditation, not the specific type of meditation, because, you know, if people are a bit like me, they you know, might have tried a bit of meditation, a bit of reading some, you know, mindfulness stuff and then a bit of energy healing stuff. And, you know, they tried lots of bits and bobs without it totally hitting the road. But what you did say on your previous interview is that when you started trying to meditate, you weren't in a state to benefit from meditation. So you actually went out either and did some exercise or a cold shower or whatever works for people before the meditation. And with that higher energy to lift your energy up, then you have your better thoughts and your you know, better ideas that you bring into the start of the meditation, that higher energy state. And that sound as though is what kicks you off to getting some benefits out of meditating. So that sounds a really good you know, a bit of knowledge for people who might have tried and didn't get anywhere. Is there anything else you can add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think I was so, like, I was literally ADD. I was taking ADD medication, and meditation was extremely difficult for me. And even after taking, like, this advanced class, I was like, this is so hard, and I hate it. There's a lot of parts to the meditation I learned, but the concentration, you got to kind of get your mind a little bit concentration before you can do this deeper level of insight practice. And I was really terrible at the concentration. And then I realized that like, if I did this intense, I was doing some really intense exercises, doing like P90X and like some really uh, running on a treadmill for like an hour, like really getting my energy up and showers, like, like a long hot shower relaxes me. So not only like this idea of getting energy up, but also relaxing the body. And then I could do it a little bit. (laughs) Like I really was sucked at it. I like, I want to point out, like I really worked at this. So there's like another piece that tripped within me that now there's like a determination there. I literally, I took me till I was like 40 uh, before I was ready for this. And there was like something inside of me that was like, enough of this, you know, like I'm sick of being stuck. So for those people who's like beating themselves up about being stuck in a pattern uh, that's not working for you, guess what? Eventually what happens is you have that pattern long enough that you just get so, and you feel the pain of that pattern that you use like, I can't do this anymore. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to go. And uh, that's a good place to be. So if you're beating yourself up over bad patterns, it ultimately allow yourself to feel that pain deeper because it, it leads to like, I'm ready to do something different. And those are the kinds of people that Rachel and I like to work with as the people who's like ready to do something. We're not really interested in teaching people something and they're not ready to follow through. We're like very serious about the work we do and we're selective about who we work with. We like to look for people who's at that place where they've gotten to the enough of this thing and they're ready to like try, just try new things and see what happens and trust that their soul is guiding to them something that's going to make them go to their next level of development. We've only really just got started with Jonathan and Rachel. They've got so much value to give. We're going to have another episode with them next week where they talk about relationships, helping people with low self-worth, values, and, of course, their quick-fire inspiration section. But now, today's top 10 hits of inspiration from their first episode. 1. Get inspired by people bringing change to the world. 2. Get inspired by having the chance to connect to your own higher energy, being your own guru. 
looking for your own clarity of knowing or truth within you, your self-trust. Three, you can have an open relationship with what might inspire you to allow time to find that spark of passion. Four, just getting into your body more in the here and now and out of your head can help you more joyfully participate in life. And there are loads of different modalities that can help with that if of interest. Five, there's a whole body of knowledge and skills on organizational development. Looking at the systems and structure that can be applied to all sorts of situations to help people work more in alignment so everyone's needs are getting met. Six, there are modalities out there that can help you master the traps of your mind. Seven, you can learn with time to digest much more of your experience rather than pushing some of it away and also learn to release some of the trapped emotions you may have. Doing this can help in various ways. It can reduce your defensive habit patterns. It can have emotional breakthroughs. It can release energy used to suppress these emotions, giving you more physical energy, more bandwidth, new perspectives and clarity to deal with things. It can also help you to be more present in your body so you get greater true feedback. This true feedback may help you get the heck yeses from life that help you find out what truly lights you up. Eight, don't forget your emotions can be wisdom bombs, teachers to turn towards, birth points of our gifts. What is the world giving you a special availability to be good at? Nine, your coping mechanisms have formed your own special uniquenesses. They're also your gifts. 10. While not necessarily a goal, even being disassociated and in your head quite a lot can be seen as an additional superpower, helping your analytical thinking or objective decisions. 11. It's worth lifting your energy sometimes to help fuel better thoughts and ideas to bring into your next activity, even into your meditation if you find it difficult. For example, with exercises, long hot showers, whatever works for you. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks to Ben Sound for the music.